Thanks for listening to one of the audio messages from Cornerstone Church Airdrie. My name is Brad, and I'm the lead campus pastor and primary preaching voice here at Cornerstone Church Airdrie. We believe that the God who spoke so clearly all through the pages of Scripture is still speaking to his kids today. So if it's me who's speaking to you or someone else on this recording, as you listen, we pray that you would know God, know his hope, know his purpose, and know his power. Enjoy the message. Um, but this, this is the final week of our Encountering Jesus summer series that we've been looking at, these, these stories of Jesus interacting with people and seeing how the, an encounter with Jesus can change everything, can change so much, can change us physically, emotionally, can change our faith, can change all kinds of parts of our story of who we are. And, and we've been looking through all of these. This will be week number six, and we've had a great time experiencing this. Now, this week, I want to share with you about an encounter that Jesus had with Peter. Now, for, for some people, to just simply mention their name is to understand what you're talking about when it comes to Jesus and. That if I was to say, an encounter between Jesus and Thomas, you know, probably doubting Thomas, Thomas, that, that there are certain people that are synonymous with a certain sort, story, but Peter is more complex than that. To say, I'm going to talk to you about an encounter that Jesus had with Peter is any number of stories from, from the, the Bible, the, the, any number of stories from the New Testament. Peter, for me, is my favorite person in the Bible. Of, of, all, of all of the people in the Bible, all of the stories of people in the Bible, I identify the most with, I find the most hope and life and joy in the story of Peter. Peter's often called things like brash and emotional, someone who doesn't think things through. He's even, at times, we can look at him and view him as like a coward or, or whatever for his denial of Jesus. But I think that when you look at Peter, when you look at the life of Peter, the story of Peter, I think it does a disservice to just somehow paint him with these negative con connotation words. Because Peter's not just a screw-up. He's, he's not just constantly doing everything wrong. He's not Mr. Magoo for the disciples. It's not somehow that, that he's, he's not good. He has some of the most amazing moments that any person ever had with Jesus is in the story of Peter and Jesus. And there, there's, this, there's this encounter, this, this story, this moment that I want to begin with today, not from John 21, but it's going to help us to understand what's taking place in John chapter 21. There's this moment where, where Jesus begins to unpack for the disciples what's going to happen when they get to Jerusalem. And he begins to tell them that he's going, that Jesus is going to be killed. And we see that Peter comes to his friend Jesus and he pulls him aside and he takes him aside and he begins to confront Jesus, confront his friend on his friend's proclamation that he's going to die. And he says, Jesus, you need to know we're not going to let that happen. We're, we're not going to let you be killed. We, uh, we're, he says the same things to his friend Jesus that, that we would probably say to our own friends. 
That if, if some, one of our friends came and said, man, I, I, I think something bad is going to happen, we would say to our friend, we're going to do our best to help get you through this. We're, we're not going to let this happen to you. But, and, and, and in this moment, I'm confident that Peter feels like this is a really high moment. That, that he's taking on this mantle of leadership and he's stepping into his friend's life and he's going to confront him and he's going to, to, to tell Jesus what's what. And he's going to have this really moment where Jesus is going to say to Peter, thank you, my friend. I just needed somebody to be there for me. But it's not a high moment for Peter. As Jesus responds to his friend, saying, we're not going to let you die, he responds to his friend and says, Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Being called Satan by Jesus is a pretty low moment. That, that I think for Peter, there was probably this, like, I'm doing the right thing. And then he discovers that it's not just the wrong thing, but it's a devil thing. And, and there's this, this difficult moment, but literally right before this moment, literally just verses before this moment, there's this other powerful moment between Jesus and Peter. Jesus was saying to the disciples, who do people think that I am? Who, who do people say that I am? And the disciples begin to unpack some of the things they've heard. They, they begin to throw out answers. Some say that you're Elijah. Some say that you're John the Baptist. Or, or, or some people just say that you're a generic other prophet, that you're just another prophet. But then Jesus asks a more pointed question, taking it from who do they say I am. He takes it and says, but who, who do you say that I am? Now, all of the disciples are quiet here. There's not, it does, the scripture doesn't record that they all start talking over each other, all trying to rush to answer the question at the same time. But it's Peter. He's the first disciple to recognize Jesus for who he really is. It says, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And out of this confession that, that Peter gives to who Jesus really is, that you are the one who are, is going to save us, you are the Son of God, Peter, who, whose name up until this point was actually Simon, and that's important for later, Jesus changes Simon's name to Peter. Jesus says, and I tell you that you are Peter, which means rock, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And in front of all of the disciples, Jesus says to Peter, your name is now Rock. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church and there's nothing anyone can do about it. And then literally moments later, Jesus is saying to Peter, get behind me, Satan. And I think that these two moments that happen right beside each other sum up so much of, of Peter's experience with Jesus and I would say our experience with Jesus. That sometimes we're getting it right and sometimes we're not. Pastor Matt 
a few weeks ago, shared about Jesus and Peter walking on water early in, earlier in this series. And, and we often use this story rightly to talk about the importance of our focus being on God and not on our surroundings. And Pastor Matt talked about that. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. And, and this is such a foundational principle of our faith. But as much as Peter was the disciple that failed at walking on water, I didn't read about any other disciples trying to climb over the side of the boat. It wasn't like they all jumped over and Peter failed. One guy was willing to give it a shot. One guy was willing to say, okay, if this is you, I can do this. And then his situation crowded everything out. But Peter was the one there trying. I believe that Peter shows us probably as clearly as we can see what it looks like for just a regular person to do their best to follow Jesus. He tried his best. He, he did what he thought was right in the moment, whether it was confronting Jesus, whether it was trying to walk on the water, whether it was proclaiming who Jesus was, whether it was trying to cut off a, the ear of a person there to arrest Jesus, he was trying to do what he thought was right. And sometimes he succeeded. Sometimes he failed. Sometimes he failed spectacularly. But more so than any of the other disciples, I, I believe that we read about Peter being out there trying to be the best darn disciple that he could. And this is why I find so much value in the story of Peter and, and his story with Jesus because his story is our story. We... we all do our best to try and follow Jesus. And sometimes, with all of the best intentions in the world, we can mess up. We can hurt people. We can say the wrong thing. We can try and do the right thing. And it turns out that the right thing that we thought we were doing isn't the right thing that we thought. And we hurt people unintentionally. Sometimes we just screw it up. Sometimes we have a moment where we fail spectacularly in front of all of our friends and family. Sometimes we walk away from our Savior and our Lord because things get too much pressure and too difficult. And we have these difficult moments. And sometimes we succeed spectacularly. We step out of the boat and we walk on water. We're publicly confessing Jesus in front of everybody. And I think that we see so much of ourselves in Peter. And today, the encounter that I want to look at is really one of the last encounters that Jesus had with Peter and, and really with anyone um, in John chapter 21. But before we, before we read our verses for today... I just want to get you caught up a little bit on where we were in the story and then set a little bit more context because it's key to understand. But where we're at in John chapter 21, if you don't know, is Jesus was killed. Jesus had been killed on the cross. He had been taken down. He had been buried in a tomb. Jesus was killed. For the disciples, everything was ruined. Everything that the disciples had given up and had given the last three years of their life towards seemingly had all been for naught. It was all gone. But as John chapter 20 and 21 begin to unfold, there, there's these strange things that keep on happening. See, so, some of the women from, from their group went to the tomb and, and they found that Jesus' tomb was empty. And, and then they said that they had an encounter with, with Jesus on the way back. 
And, but, but Jesus wasn't there now. And then even Jesus appears to, to the, the disciples. Somehow he enters into a locked room and they don't know how he got in there. And he's in there for a and he appears, but then he's gone. And he's not there now. And so the disciples have this, this crossroads moment in their life and in their story. They don't know what to do. There's all of these things that are happening and none of them seem to make any kind of sense. They hurt emotionally. They're confused mentally. So much is happening and they don't know what to do. They have no direction. They had nowhere to go. They had no purpose for their life as disciples of Jesus. And Peter is probably the most unsure of all of the disciples. Because just a couple of nights ago, in the Garden of Gethsemane, while well, all of the disciples fled and abandoned Jesus. And sometimes we only give Peter credit for abandoning Jesus, but they all did it. But where we read more about Peter is that Peter went on a little further. And, and Peter did what Jesus said that he was going to do, that Peter said he would never do. He, he was... He, he, denied Jesus. Now, we read in that account that Peter was ready to fight. That, that Peter was ready to, to stand up for Jesus. That we read that when Jesus said, or when Peter said, God, I will not, Jesus, I will not let them take you alive, Peter was willing to make good on that. We read that he takes out his sword and he, try, well, he cuts off somebody's ear and we see that, that Peter was ready to go. But in the end, Peter was just like everybody else. Des despite Peter saying to, to in front of Jesus and in front of all of the other disciples, if everybody else here turns on you, I'm your man. I'm your rock. But we see in this moment in the Garden of Gethsemane where, where everybody runs away and, and Peter tries to fight and even that goes bizarre and not in a way that he wanted it to go. And then he's trying to follow Jesus and he comes to this fire and he starts denying Jesus and, and all of this takes place. And this is the last lasting memories that Peter has of his relationship with Jesus. And so in the midst of all of this personal and emotional turmoil, Peter decides to go back to the only other life that he had known. Before he knew Jesus, he was Simon. And Simon was a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee. And that, that's what Peter decides to do. He decides to go back to being Simon. He decides to go back to being a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee. Now, I want to set one more piece of context for you this week before, before we read through our verses for today because this is really important and crucial to understanding what's going to happen in John chapter 21. I want to look at the moment where Jesus first meets Simon, where, where Peter first meets Jesus. And this takes place in Luke chapter 5, and it says this. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, it's another name for the Sea of Galilee. We're actually going to see a couple of different names. It's all the same body of water, just different places name it differently. The people were crowding around him, Jesus, and listening to the word of God. 
he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were, were, fish, or who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one that belonged to Simon, this is our guy Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break. This, this is the story of the first time that Peter Simon meets Jesus. This incredible miracle of, of these caught fish. And from that moment on, Peter's life was different. Except at the beginning of John chapter 21. We, we see at the beginning of John chapter 21, Peter saying, my life is no longer different. I want to go back to what life used to be. I want to go back to who I used to be. Before everything started to change, I just want to go back to that. And so in John chapter 21, we see what happens. Simon, or Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's, that's John and James, John the apostle who, who writes the book of John, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize that it was, was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? That seems awfully rude for some stranger to be yelling at you. You've been up all night fishing and just some random helpful stranger says, hey, you guys didn't catch anything, did you? No, no, they answered. And he said, Jesus says to them, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Now, that sounds awfully familiar. That, that sounds awfully like another experience that some of these disciples had lived about three years earlier. And what's the result? When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. When we read the account... Just a moment ago, it says they caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break. There's this incredible retelling of a story, except it's not a retelling. This is an awfully familiar series of events in the life of Peter. Both occurred on the Sea of Galilee. Both times Peter couldn't catch a thing. Both times the Jesus, this man who he doesn't recognize, doesn't know, tells him to throw his nets into the water. And both times there's this miraculous catch. And what I believe that we're seeing here is Jesus is resetting things with Peter. Going back to the very beginning. Back to the call. Back to where it all began for Peter. It's like Jesus is coming to Peter and saying, let's, let's start this again. And suddenly it dawns on Peter. 
He realizes what's, at, what's taking place. He realizes who this man on the shore that he doesn't recognize is anymore. And he realizes, I know who that is. And in verse 7, it says that the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John again, he, he, that's the name he gives himself in the book that he writes, says to Peter, it is the Lord. It's Jesus. I recognize, I remember this. This is Jesus. And so as Simon Peter heard him say it's the Lord, he, he puts back on his clothes for some reason and the, the emotion of the moment, of, he's about to jump in the water. You'd think he'd take off his cloak, but he throws his cloak back on and he jumps into the water and he gets to shore as fast as he can. Now if you read the context, you see that Peter was gripped by emotion because he jumps out of the boat and tries to get there as fast as he can. And, and the Bible will tell us that really Peter and the other disciples got there at the same time. But there's just this emotional response to, it's Jesus. And Peter jumps in, just, I gotta get there. So Peter takes off, dives in the water and swims. And when Peter and the other disciples get there, Jesus has set up a little campfire to make them some fish and bread for breakfast. But Jesus doesn't need their fish. The scripture will say that Jesus already had some fish. We don't know where he got them. We don't know how he got them. But they weren't the disciples' fish. He doesn't say, bring me some of your fish. So they get to shore and there's a fire with, with fish and bread already. And they share a meal together. This first meal that they've shared together since what we would call the Last Supper. Since, since the Passover meal before Jesus was killed. They, they share a meal together again. And then we come to the heart of our message today, starting in verse 15. When, when they had finished eating, Jesus and the disciples and everybody, Jesus says to Simon Peter, he singles him out out of everybody else who's there, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And we'll come back to, to that a little bit to help you understand that. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, then take care of my sheep, lambs. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? He, he, Peter, says to Jesus, Lord, you know all things. You know that I still love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, this is Jesus still speaking. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. There are a couple things that I want to pull out of these verses and then I want to bring it home with a specific word for us today. But first I want you to notice as we've talked about Jesus resetting everything, did you notice the name that, Peter, or that Jesus calls Peter? He doesn't call him Peter. Simon has, or Peter has said, I'm going back to Simon. 
I'm going back to the life that I had. I was, when I was Simon, I was a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee. I'm going back to being Simon. And so Jesus comes into this story and he doesn't pretend like nothing's happened. He doesn't pretend like everything's fine. But he comes and he meets Peter back at being Simon. And so he addresses him and he says, Simon. So Jesus says to Simon, to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Now, the question is more than what? More than these? More, more than the fish? Probably the fish loved him more. We don't know how much fish love, but I bet you fish love God. He's saying, do you love me more than these? Because Peter had stood up in front of all of the other disciples and said, even if all of these guys fall away, Jesus, I'm here with you. And so Jesus is speaking into this and saying, Jesus, or Peter, Simon, do you love me more than these? You see, when Peter stood up and made that declaration, it was at that last meal. The last meal that they shared. So this is the next time. He's like, Peter, last time we were together, you said this. Do you still recognize that? Peter had been boastful. and Jesus was asking, are you still wanting to make that boast? Are you still wanting to stand in your own strength, in your own righteousness, in your own power, in your own ability to proclaim who and what you are? And Peter wasn't. He, he responds by saying, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. There's no comparison. There's no boasting on how his level of commitment was superior to anyone else's. Now, in lots of ways, the Greek language is a more exact language than the English language. And, and that's why oftentimes it can be hard to translate certain passages in the Bible. And actually, this is a good example here. Because we have one word for love. And that's why the word love can get awfully messy. I have to use the same words for how I feel about my wife, my kids, my God, my friends, stake, the Calgary Stampeders. I have to use the same word for all of these things to, to, to talk about my, my feelings about them. And it's a word that we have to use in all of these different ways. But the Greeks had more words for love, and so it allowed for a very specific use of words here for Jesus. The word that Jesus used when he asked Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? This is the word agape. That's the word that Jesus would have used. And it's a specific kind of love that means unconditional, self-sacrificing self love. It means the complete devotion of someone to someone else. So, so there's not wiggle room for, for Peter to misunderstand Jesus. There's not room for a misinterpretation that, that Jesus says, Simon, do you love me? And Simon can say, yeah, I feel the same way about you that I do about steak. That, that Jesus uses a very specific word to draw out a very specific emotion from Peter. And Peter responds to this as, in as honest a fashion as he could. He's, he knew that his actions didn't match up with that kind of devotion and that he wasn't quite there. So when Peter responds by saying, Lord, you know that I love you, Peter uses a different word for love. He uses the word phileo. Phileo, it means like a brotherly love. It's, it's where the name of the city Philadelphia comes from, and it's known as the city of brotherly love. What we can compare it to would be like the word like. Like that, it, that, we, that we like. So, so to paraphrase this text, Peter, do you love me 100% more than anything else with total devotion? 
And Peter responds, Lord, you know I like you. And, and they go back and forth a couple of times as, as the language changes and shifts. But we see that three times Peter failed. And three times Jesus asks him this question. And it's done in the full view of everyone else. That this isn't this quiet, intimate moment between Peter where, where he can break down and cry. Everybody's sitting there. All of these guys, the sons of Zebedee are there, and Thomas is there, and the other disciples, and everybody's sitting there, and Jesus and Peter are having this conversation over a fire. Jesus was taking the falling down that Peter had and was bringing him back into relationship. Jesus had told Peter that Peter would be the rock on which Jesus would build his church. And now... Jesus was asking Peter to do that. Saying, take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Jesus had used the term sheep to reference his followers a handful of times in his talks. And now Jesus was instructing Peter to forget the past. Forget everything that had gone on. Jesus came back into the story of Simon, met Simon, back where Simon was, and Jesus says to Simon, he says, okay, it's time to move forward now. Forget all that went on and let's move forward. He asked Peter after, he asked Peter, look after his sheep once again. Despite everything that had gone on, despite all of the history, Peter, I need you to look after my sheep. Peter, I need you to do this. I need you, Simon, who's gone back to fishing, I need you to step back into the role that you were created for, to step back into the role that I had called you to, to step back out of this life that you had fallen back into, step back into it and become the rock again. Just move forward. And this is the message that I would believe that God has for us this week, is, is just that let's, let's move forward. Peter had lived a lot of life with Jesus, had some very high highs and some very low lows. When Peter was at his lowest, when he thought he had nothing left, he had walked away from everything that God had called him to, the life that God had called him to live. He had walked, he had moved away from all of it. Jesus goes and finds Simon. He goes and finds this man again. And Jesus says, I'm not finished with you yet. He, he wasn't finished with Peter yet. One last thing I just, I just want to show you. Um, the verse that's up on the screen, verse 19. The last thing that we read is it says, Then he said to him, follow me. In the book of Matthew, we read about the calling of Simon, the calling of Peter by Jesus. And what we read is that Jesus said to him, come, follow me. And I, I will send you out to fish for people. I will make you fishers of men. After all of the things that we looked at that had happened, after Peter and Jesus had gone through all of the ups and downs, all of the highs and the lows, and in the end, the denial and the abandonment, Jesus looks at Peter across the fire and speaks the very same words to him that he spoke to him at the very first time when he called him. He looks him across the fire and he says to him, follow me. 
the very same words that began this whole journey. Jesus has brought Peter back. He's restored him. He's brought him back to being the rock. And for some here today, that this is your story. Perhaps you've lived a lot of life. Maybe you've had some good experiences. Maybe you've had some poor ones. Maybe like Peter, you're considering giving it all up. Maybe like Peter, you have given it all up and you've gone back to life before Jesus. You said, I, I can't do this anymore. I need to go back to what was. But like Peter, Jesus just simply isn't finished with you yet. Our fears, our shortcomings, our failures... Even in the face of all of these, Jesus isn't finished with you yet. The verse that I want to close with this morning, I think, is a promise to all of us. Wherever we find ourselves along in this journey, whether we need God to come and call us back from where we are, or if we're not, this, we don't identify with Peter in any of this. We say, no, things are good. Promise that's found in Scripture says, being confident of, of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. There's no expiry date on that. There's nothing that says, as long as you are doing this, 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 and this, I'll be faithful. It says that he who began this work in you, he's going to be faithful, and he's going to continue to work on you and in you and through you. And he's going to continue to come after you no matter how many times you go back to fishing. He will continue to work on you to complete the work he began in you. From deep inside, I believe Jesus would say to us this morning, he would, he would look at us this morning, he, he would look at you in the eye, he would cup your, your face, he would look you in the eyes and just like Peter, he would simply say, I love you as much as I ever have. I would go through it all again for you. Forget the past, forget what's happened and follow me. Follow me. If my heart could tell a story Thanks again for listening to one of the audio messages from Cornerstone Church Airdrie. I pray that you were blessed by what God had to say in this message. If you would like to connect further with Cornerstone Church, there are a couple places you can go. First is our website, cornerstonefoursquarechurch.com, and select the Airdrie campus. And some of the best ways to connect with us is through our social media channels. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstoneairdrie. Follow us on Twitter at csairdrie. And on Instagram at cornerstoneairdrie. If you'd like to connect with the pastoral team at Cornerstone, you can do that again through our website, cornerstonefoursquarechurch.com. Click on the Airdrie campus, then click on the About Us on the main menu, and then one last click on Our Campus Pastors. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and get new messages delivered directly to you. We are so thankful to be able to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with our community in Airdrie and with you today. At Cornerstone Church Airdrie, we are a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. And that family includes you. We follow Jesus together. As family, we go. Let this be their memory. 
that all my treasure was in heaven and you were everything to me no one ever cared for me like Jesus his faithful hand has held me all this way and when I'm old and gray and all my days are numbered on the earth, let it be known in you alone my joy was found. I found my joy. joy was found. 